So welcome everyone to the Business Exchange, uh, How Business Works, uh, brought to you uh, by the American Business Council. The Business Exchange is a bi-weekly Tuesday show which brings to you business experts sharing how business works and looking at uh, the biggest stories in business and policy. Our guests would also make very bold predictions across various sectors of the economy. And we can follow uh, the discussion on Twitter at ABC Council underscore NG. And the hashtag to use is hashtag how business works. Now today, we will be discussing the Nigerian economy and investors' confidence. And we have an expert to shed light on this. He is the Associate Director of Strategy and Economics at the KPMG Advisory Services. And we have our special guest, Olusha Nguru Zakeos. Hello, Zakeos. Good morning. Um, good morning, listener. Yeah, thank you very much, Shevin. Um, so, so today we're going to be looking at, um, like I said, the, the issue around uh, the Nigerian economy and investors' confidence. I know uh, there's been a lot of talk about this. But let's start um, at um, just looking at the Nigeria's um, Nigeria's debt sustainability. So, um, according to a recent um, study, uh, Nigeria's total debt stock, uh, foreign and domestic, as at June 2020, stood at at about 31.01 trillion. That's $85.9 billion. Now, 8.31% increase when you compare this with uh, 28.63 trillion Naira. I think I should just focus on the Naira recorded in March 2020. Now, despite facing economic downturn caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and also characterized by contraction in our economic activities, uh, reduced capital inflows, trade decline across international borders, and coupled with the reduced government revenue as a result of uh, declining what we know, the global oil price, Nigeria still had to spend a sum of $1.21 trillion to service both domestic and foreign debt between January and June 2020. Is this sustainable, Nigeria's debt, and what, are, what do you think our investors' sentiments on this would be? Um, thank you very much um, for, for the question um, around the Nigerian debt sustainability. I think it's very important to unpack what does it mean for debt to be sustainable one. And secondly, it's also good to put the context of the Nigerian economic situation. Um, we all know the impact of what we call in KPMG to twin shocks, which is the dramatic fall in oil price, right, and the impact of COVID-19 on demand on on, on supply chain etc right um in this type of situation what every government all over the world is doing is to stimulate economic growth all right so how do you stimulate economic growth in the real in the new coming to the government from the angle of lower oil prices from the angle of the fact that the economy you know has been more or less closed and the ability to get taxes was also being there um, what government would typically resort to is, is to get debt, right? Um, domestic debt, international debt, right? Um, and that's what Nigerian government has done, similar to what other governments all over the world are doing, right? But the, the fundamental question is the question of sustainability, right? Um, there, there are two broad measures of, of looking at debt, you know, um, one is to look at the quantum of the debt over your GDP, right? If we use that quantum for Nigeria, Area, you look, you see that Nigeria is one of the lowest, if not the lowest, 
even in Africa, because we are about 35%. You have countries like Angola that have a 100% debt to GDP. You have South Africa that have about 78% debt to GDP. But um, that's one angle to measure. But the more important measure that we need to look at is the measure of revenue the government is getting over um, the debt um, liability that we have, because it's actually after this revenue, and you're going to be able to pay back the debt, which is the example you're giving, right? Um, it, it is forecasted this year um, that for every Naira Nigeria earn, over 70 Kobo out of that will be used to pay debt, right? Um, this is very alarming, um, but it also needs that alarming to be put in the context of the reality of the Nigerian economy. Then let's then come back. What does it mean for this debt or debt to be sustainable? A debt, you know, of a government is sustainable. If the government can conveniently use future cash flows to pay the debt bought and pay to Nigeria, and you need to look at some certain factors. One is that what is the future economic prospects of Nigeria, right? Um, so we're going to be in recession this year, obviously. Um, there's been some recovery forecasted for 2021. Of course, the NSAS campaign has sort of put a dent into how quickly that recovery will come. Um, in 2022-2023, yeah, the economic prospects will be around 3%. Not very strong if you look at it, given the fact that our population itself is growing at about 3%. So that means our future economic prospect over the next two, three years is a bit um, uh, not as encouraging as you would like to, right? Um, the other factors, like um, what's the implication of the FX policy, right, on relations to debt, right, FX perspective. Right, and one of the things we should do some devaluation, you know, to have a market reflective rate. But we also need to know that um, for for that to happen, it is also going to impact our debt portfolio, right? And um, taking consideration of policy issues like this is also very important. But when you look at it, right, um, the third point you then need to consider is that the debt being taken are they being used or invested in projects that can drive economic growth? or that can yield future income for Nigeria? Uh, that's a question we really honestly need to ask. And, and the answer, the jury is out to answer that question. So if we take those three buckets of points that I've raised and then try to answer that is that sustainable, right? Um, my answer will be, it's quite, um, we're at a point in which sustainability is being threatened. But that today, I don't think we have fully, fully reached that point. Right. Um, it then behold on the government to see what they're going to do in 2021. All the debt will be projected to borrow about 5.2 trillion. Are those debts going to be used for productive activities that can stimulate economic growth? Right. That's a question we need to answer. But the truth is that if you then look at the debt from the 2021 proposed budget, you realize that a chunk of the debts, or what we call the fiscal deficit, will be used to pay recurrent expenditure, which is paying salary ETC. That helps consumption, but it does not help your future growth, right? Um, which is another weakness that we have within the Nigerian context. So um, we are turning to a point in which our debt will not be sustainable. That will be my answer. And government needs to continue on its policy to drive productive growth in the economy and also look for other sources of investment that will drive economic growth and that can they reduce the impact or improve our ability to sustain uh, the debt portfolio we currently have now. 
Yeah, thank you so much for that. Now, you talked about issues around FX policy and all that. So you're saying we're approaching a crossroad. What are your thoughts about the sectors um, the federal government should encourage or open up, you know, investors so as to drive economic growth and, you know, kind of help build um, a good story around, you know, how how we need to uh, be able to get in some other revenue beyond what we are currently having today. All right. Um, thank you um, for that question. And um, when, when you look at sector attractiveness, right, um, it's not this, we don't look at it from the point of a broader concept. Yeah. There are four critical factors which sort of think about across each sector to really understand how attractive and how government can leverage, leverage the sector to drive economic growth. Um, the first factor you look at is what you call the demand factor, which means um, if you start the business in that sector, how easy is it for you to get customers, you know, to buy your product? How has the economy affected your potential customer, right? And that's the first point you look at, the demand in that sector. The second point you look at is the firms, that's the companies operating in that sector. So, um, are the firms doing well? Are they willing to make further investment? Do they want to grow, right? Um, their their business, right? Um, are there new opportunities that the firms are exploring within that sector, right? Um, the third point then look at, which is really even more important, higher than um the first two points, is the policy activities, the policy reforms that the government needs to do. For example, we will talk about the petroleum industry bill, and it's one of the key policy changes that needs to happen to attract investment into the you know the petroleum sector in the past five to ten years the amount of investment that's gone to that sector is almost close to new right i mean look at it politically right so the policy activities reform that government is driving will also help this also includes the the kind of development finance initiative and um, that government is pushing in this sector the last point is is the market you know how the market so market now means capital market means the funding market as they view those sectors, are they willing to invest, to lend, you know, in, within those sectors? So if you put all these four factors together, right, um, and, and you, you filter them and then look at the, a, a, a broader factor, which is the impact of COVID-19 on these sectors. And um, you realize that quite a number of our sectors are challenged. Um, you look at aviation, um, you look at real estate, these sectors are, are really challenged. And I don't see the prospect of growth and attractiveness, you know, uh, within those two sectors, for example. But if you then talk about what sectors should government and they already they drive reforms really attract investment and drive growth. Right. Remember, the first step will be agriculture. I and mean, we all know this. And there's a huge opportunity around production, around Processing, um, processing, right within the second. It's, it's the story we all know, right? Um, activity is still fragmented, right? There are key challenges like that. You ensure the supply chain, access to markets are improved, and these are areas that policies are being focused on, and they can can actually make impact on. Other sector will be manufacturing. Manufacturing has been a lackluster sector over the years, right? And COVID nineteen has also worsened um, the reality. Also, the access to FX is also a major major challenge in that sector. But nevertheless, because we because of the consumption requirements in Nigeria, because of the prospect of the two hundred million population, because of the prospect of Nigeria also buying to be a dominant exporter as the Africa continental free trade come to reality, right? Manufacturing is a sector that is really, really very important. And government is also doing a lot around that in, in a way that they're encouraging the manufacturers to domesticate their supply chain by bringing backward um, integration. 
right? Um, other sector, healthcare, um, I would say COVID-19 and for the reality that we need a stronger healthcare system. And we've seen a lot of investment activities in that sector. And government is also driving investment using CBN, you know, to ensure that the, the, the right funding goes to that sector. We think that would be very important. Um, I, I know that very important sector, you know, which COVID-19 has got reality is the telecom and ICT. Um, with the drive for digitalization of supply chain, it will remain attractive. That oil and gas could be potentially attractive um, if the petroleum industry bill is passed, right? And um, and you unbundle the sector and you can create pocket, you know, or investment space, you know, for interested investors to come in. So broadly, um, this will be my pick and, and of sectors that could potentially drive recovery. Yeah, thanks a lot, Shebu. You mentioned the uh, PIB, um, the, the bill, and you've also talked about it as a way that could help really galvanize the um, economy of Nigeria. Um, you know, this conversation around this bill has been ongoing. I can remember um, that, you know, even at the American Business Council way back, we, we, we had done a couple of recommendations, advocacy efforts, you know, on this bill. And, you know, if we're still talking about it today, um, again, I, I would like you to kind of throw some light on how, you know, this bill can help, you know, government reduce liabilities and improve reforms in the oil and gas sector, you know, for investments. You know, we, we perhaps when people, uh, there are different sides, it's almost like an elephant with, you know, different sides and people aren't really sure what is really happening. So if you could throw some more light in this area, that would be helpful. I hope I'm not okay. putting you on the spot. No, no, thanks. <laughs> thanks. As you said, right, you know, um, when you speak to experts, even in the sectors, um, in the sector, sorry, um, those are, we work on the bill, right, um, with government, which is the, the previous version and the new version, right? Um, uh, in terms of when this bill will come to reality, honestly, uh, nobody can answer the question. With any form of certainty. So, um, honestly, to become, it's the sort of a certainty that we have to manage and be just hopeful. Because if you tell me to assign a probability to it being passed maybe in the next three months, I'll say maybe like a 50% probability, but that's not effort to, to, to anyone because there's no certainty. Right. I think the importance of the bill cannot be overemphasized. Um, it has huge potential to sort of transform the oil and gas sector, reduce government, you know, um, investment to drive return and sort of attract more investment and give government opportunity to benefit more um, from from profits within the sector. And also listing an, an entity or making an entity like an MPC, a private organization, who potentially improve its efficiency, its ability to generate return for the government. And of course, if government thinks of listing it, NMPC, right? Um, that has huge potential of, of revenue, you know, uh, for government. We know what happened in Saudi Aramco. A portion of the company was sold, you know, for almost $30 billion, right? Um, so these are the opportunities that are implicit um, in, in the transformation of the sector using the, the PIB. Yeah, but we can then not um, only look at economic, political, honestly, cannot predict and will be difficult to navigate. And I think all stakeholders should continue to put hands on deck, you know, um, to see the progress has been made even this year on the PIB and we keep pushing. Hopefully we'll get to an end state and we can then begin to attract investment to the sector. But honestly, 
if we were to drive recovery and stimulate recovery over the next two years to ensure there's a structural you know um change to our economy to drive growth um the pib is very important right and i'm hopeful that government also takes that point of view and we can they can push this so that sooner than rather than later uh maybe first quarter of next year you know we can have that bill operational yeah thanks a lot i i also know you said policies um and i know that you know um cbn issued some policies you know to curtail forex spend by nigerians in order to keep the reserve stable now the nigerian exchange rate crisis this year was uh, triggered obviously by the drop in oil prices as we know and perhaps it lost luster um lost their attitude to implement uh, necessary economic reforms uh, with nigeria earning less from our oil sales the growing pressure on exchange rate uh, as well as uh, increased speculations of a currency devaluation what have uh, foreign related policy decisions and um, i call flip flops no matter how well intended what have this done to uh, investors confidence i'll just do a run through on some of the highlights of some of these policies uh, march the 20th the central bank devalued its official rate from 307 to a dollar to 360 to a dollar april um, 27th the cbn adjusted exchange rate for import in duty payment from 326 to Naira to a dollar um, to 361 to a dollar. May 19th, and it goes on, CBN injected funds to the current market through wholesale secondary market intervention. So, I mean, there, there, there's quite a lot, if I just go on and on, and there's also the, the president's um, order, uh, the CBN through the, uh, the president ordered the CBN to stop foreign exchange um, available to importers of fertilizers and food items, um, despite a lot of criticisms from um, FX um, analysts. Conversation around FX um, policy operations is, is a difficult conversation. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can. Fantastic. Right. Uh, there's three questions you need to ask. Right. Um, one is what economist policy function? Just to break it down, what's the objective of our FX policy? Right. What was the anchor? Right. There, there are two basic approaches right one is to say my fx policy is to drive price stability within the market right that that's one two my fx policy is focused on driving economic goods right they're two different things right um so what has been cbn posture cbn posture is difficult because our source of FX flow that give them the room to maneuver, you know, FX policy is through largely through oil price, right? Um, there are some other activities that we've done along the way, right? And for every fluctuation, predictable, unpredictable, or shock to FX, uh, to, to oil prices, it impacts the ability of CBN to manage the policy. That's one. The second point is that the investors that bring dollars to the economy, right? And um, part of their decision framework is also based on oil prices, right? So if they look at an oil exporting economy like Nigeria and see that oil price in the global market is going down, they tend to reduce the capital flows they throw into such economies. So that's a double whammy. For every fall in oil price, there's lower FX receipt. There's conservation or, or, or investors pulling back. 
sometimes even reversal of the flow they breaks into Nigeria. So that sort of put a pressure on the policy that we can make. So the question is, how do we manage this, right? Should we liberalize the market, one? Should we maintain hybrid approach that we're doing now? Or should we make it a total government control FX policy? So we stay in the hybrid, which makes sense for a developing economy. Right. Um, but, but, but the challenge is also from a fiscal perspective, right? Um, which is to say, if I devalue the Naira, my debt for portfolio will be automatically, right? And it will have impact on government ability to service those debt because they're going to be paying more in Naira. Right. For every X percent devaluation, right, it means the amount we're paying on our foreign dollar dominated debt will increase almost by that same X percent. Right. So there's several complexity that, you know, has to do with this policy. Right. Okay. okay um, sure, what sure. we need sure, sure. just to wrap up. Okay. Yes, please. I, I just let me just wrap up. I want to keep our audience in suspense because we are going to be having um, an economic update where you will be sharing these insights and, you know, um, we're going to have business and government leaders running this in partnership with, with you. I don't want us to share all the things that okay. we're talking about. And, uh, yeah, unless there's something else you just want to drop in because no. we have like two more okay. minutes and I yeah, just. That's, and I, I guess I can hope. stop on this note and just talk a bit about the session. And what we'll be sharing at the session is look at it. 10 critical factors that is going to drive the evolution of the economy in 2021. And we're going to be talking on some of these points we raised and driving deep and asking the question around resilience and, not, and trying to answer the question. Have we moved from a challenge of twin shocks to a three a, a, a triple shocks where the challenge of political you know instability is also a, a potential right um we'll move from fx to all the different elements of the economy and just focus on things that corporate needs to focus on um to really try um in, in 2021 That's thank you thank you so thank you very much um Shemus, the kiosk, um and and we have come to the end of this um, episode for more information on this uh, webinar kindly on this um, program, visit the podcast section of abcnid.com. They also have a digital economic competition on the 3rd of December. And besides, you can also listen to this conversation on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So see you um, in our next episode, or which will be called on the 24th of November. Thank you for listening and bye-bye. <laughs>